Hi, and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what, what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. Today, I'm joined by Oscar Britton from Henry's House, an indie game studio making the game Cardboard Kings, a storefront running game, or Capitalism Ho, if you prefer, that recently had its demo on the last Steam Festival. Oscar, how are you doing today? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. So, Oscar, thank you so much for joining me. Why don't we start with you uh, let, telling people some information about Cardboard Kings or uh, Henry's House or yourself, just so we have a, a foot in before we get started. Yeah, uh, so Cardboard Kings, to start with, is uh, yeah, it's a, it's a shopfront management game where you open your own game shop and you, you buy and sell uh, trading cards and you make friends with customers. You get to decorate your shop however you want. You get to experience this story that's kind of, all, it, kind of in in uh, kind of contrast to what a lot of these sorts of games are. It's more about just the management of your shop and and maintaining that level of just like coziness and you know uh, like mom and pop store kind of feel rather than like expanding out into this huge empire of of game shops. So we really wanted to focus on this like very intimate story about you know a group of friends who all or run a game shop and kind of yeah that's kind of it and 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 really like create this tribute to to card games which is just this really amazing medium for you know storytelling art writing gameplay design like i mean magic the gathering is just this amazing like constant evolution and it's just we really wanted to make a game about everything around the culture of those because digital card games at the moment getting a lot of traction and and even things like slay the spire and stuff where where people are really interested in the cards and we're like the stuff around that the culture of you know hanging out and in card shops and stuff um it's something that maybe people are sort of forgetting about a little bit you know yeah and i definitely understand that especially right now with um with the pandemic obviously depending where you are uh and how those procedures are being handled but you're you're absolutely right in that there was or there is uh, a a very nice feeling I, i'm struggling for the right word i'm gonna go with that of being able to go into like your local card shop or what have you and be able to talk with someone about you know the cards they have to have that they have available for trade for sale or what have you um just that as you said like that ecosystem itself is um can always be like a nice uh interesting thing to be involved in absolutely uh, I, yeah, that's 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 what we we wanted to get across was just these these feelings like we, we were I, I was thinking a lot when we were kind of pitching the game um, to ourselves, I guess <laughs> we I, I was thinking about um, when I was like 13, 14, I was like really into like magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff. And we, we'd all go to the card shop and we'd all like buy boosters and we just talk about like, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if there was like a digital version of this? on our phone and we you know this is pre-iphones right so what like a year before the iphone <laughs> and we we're like oh wouldn't it be great if we, we could do that and and then like you know when you could play and you could play online you could just battle each other like wherever and and now that exists and i'm just uninterested in it entirely and i was like well why why didn't i get into hearthstone or magic arena and stuff it's like well it turns out i liked card games because of the social aspect of it and i liked it because of the 
yeah, like the routine of like every Friday, there was the shop that was open. It was only open on uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'd go there after school. We'd buy boosters. We'd chat. And it's like, honestly, we'd play like one match, you know? We wouldn't play the game that much. And it was more like opening a booster with your friends and, and doing that kind of thing that um that just yeah, just doesn't exist with digital games. And um yeah, so that was kind of the idea. And and the the original idea was like, let's make this card game where it's it's about card games, but you never play the card game, you know? And uh yeah, we sort of it evolved into like, let's just make this really nice place, you know, that, that you want to hang out and appreciate that because you know, it, it it really there's like a few different like later later in my teen years I got I was into skateboarding and stuff and like card shops, skate shops, all these places there. There's these real communal hubs where people just mill around and want to like talk and meet. They're almost like the lobby of a game or something, and it just like you don't really get that in other places. Like even even other like real like specialty shops, like bookshops and things. Like people don't just mill around there like looking to meet up with people, you know. And uh, we just wanted to make a game that sort of like presented that as like, hey, isn't this like a cool thing that maybe at the end of the moment, probably a lot of people in the world are missing. Um, but but even just in general, in the last like 10 years, I think it's, it's just been disappearing. You know, like I, you know, I buy a lot of cards and things online at the moment. So <laughs> I just, yeah, that was kind of it. <laughs> And and yeah, like I said before, I I I understand where you're coming from, and I I completely agree. Um, it creates like this really interesting nostalgia feel, um, like because you you touched on that that same nostalgia feel. Um, for me personally, I I kind of dabbled in uh, Magic the Gathering, and you know I I played with a friend and would go to the card shop or the comic shop that sold them, and join them on Magic Night once or twice, but it really it really, for me, it wasn't the playing of the game. Kind of like you said, you know, you play like one game, but for, for the most of it, it was just you enjoying getting to like open a pack or two and share that that excitement of what could be there and, you know, the the possibilities of what you could do. And, you know, like you, you would, you'd be there for a while and then you'd never actually play. And that's perfectly fine. Like I, when I was younger, it wasn't so much as um, magic. Uh, but I had like a very similar thing and it was, I'd go to the, it was effectively a, ca- a card shop. They would sell like a rack of comics and for whatever reason, some sewing supplies, like at the very back of the store. <laughs> That's um, weird. <laughs> it, it, I'm not gonna lie. It was incredibly weird. Um, there was actually like two of them in town. Um, and I lived in like at the time, a small town and it was really, really interesting. I think they just sort of were doing whatever they could do to, be multifaceted to make money but um but i'd go there like once every you know once a week and effectively just buy a pack of um uh, spider-man cards because you know i I liked spider-man and you know that like what you were describing that was 100 percent the the joy of going you know you'd open it you'd talk with the the store owner he'd be like oh i'm looking for that when you like discuss you know potentially trading or, or what have you and all that so like uh to make a game like that to try and make a game to capture that specific that feeling is a is a nice and is a nice approach especially with a lot of um uh, these uh, storefront managing games um in my mind they're always capitalism ho because of a uh, reset here um but most of those games really lean on the primary aspect being 
you know, the, the getting your supplies. So uh, like Moonlighter, for example, going into the dungeon, uh, Residiera is very similar. Um, uh, the Atelier games, uh, similar enough, you know, where you're going to the dungeon or you're going out to do certain things. And the storefront, uh, while sometimes did have some complexities to it, uh, it was never really the prime focus that needed to be polished. So to make a game where strictly all you're doing is that polishing part and running the store in a in a real kind of relaxing environment, because uh, when I played it, uh, the the thing I enjoyed the most actually was not being worried about the wall I was going to hit, about having to push further like in the dungeon to get the better supplies to make the you know that new whatever. All I had to do was sell some cards, and then buy them online and you know you'd get someone one of the things i liked that you you did was the special requests that would come in where you'd have someone that for example would be like i just want a blue card that flies and they would give you like eight dollars for it and you would open up the little computer and you would find the cheapest flying blue card for like 12 cents and then sell it to the guy for eight bucks and that was like a nice relaxed approach to the genre in general i want to think or say so you know i yeah. like i just want to say as well you know i i thoroughly enjoyed the demo when when i when i tried it from the steam festival so uh i really you know i'm kind of stumbling around there but really you know what i'm saying is you know i i, I think it's a nice unique approach and you know uh, i hope many other people enjoy it in the same way that i did and also get the same sense of nostalgia feeling that you're you're aiming for because that's a something that I don't think is out there really. And I think that's a great approach. Yeah, we, we, we looked at a lot of, I mean, first, thank you for, for that. No worries. <laughs> it sounds like we nailed what we were going for, but um, we, we looked at a lot of these old, old and new uh, sort of storefront management games. And we, there's, there's just like a, a lot of commonalities between it's like, well, they're all sort of fantasy based because you've got to be able to go out and kill things to get loot to come back to the shop. And we're like, well, if we don't have that and we, we can not have that because we have cards being a thing that um, fluctuate in price. So you could buy something and then sit on it and it may become expensive, which doesn't happen as much in those other games. Um, and we just, yeah, we we're like, well, we can make something that stands out from those quite like, obviously, but the fact that it's contemporary in, in its setting um, and it, it abides by a lot of the laws or, or rules or, or customs and things that we, we expect from, from like modern shops, you know, it's like, okay, you walk in, you buy a thing, you pay for it. It, you know, you don't have things like Reketeer has um, like bartering and, and haggling and, and things like that. And we were like, well, it just, we, we don't need to have that if we can, you know, we, we found all these ways around by, by having, the primary thing you're selling being cards. We found that um, it actually like lent enough uh, mechanical complexity and things that, okay, we didn't need to have like a dungeon that you go and grind in to get these things. Um, and we didn't have to like have like a haggling mechanic. I, I was playing a few of, a few of the other games, like um, it was called like Potion Craft or something, um, which did really well. And it was a re really great game, but um it's, it's got like the haggling kind of mini game thing going on, you know, when people come to buy it. And I was just like, oh, we don't have that. Why don't we have that? Like it never occurred to us to have that. 
because we were like, well, thematically, it just didn't make any sense. You know, you don't walk into, you know, a card shop now and haggle with the guy, you know, like you just, that's the price. We put the price on it. So we just had all these, um, like the contemporary setting ended up being being something that we were like afforded by by making it about cards and, and about opening boosters. And that's where the randomness came in and stuff. But then also from that, we could have all these like additional uh, gameplay things that came from that setting rather than a fantasy setting. Like we have, yeah, like tags and we have sales. You can organize tournaments in the game um, to, you know, and people come in, we can have like rush hours, things like that that just don't really make sense in in a non-contemporary setting. Um, you know, and also just like, yeah, the computer and like requests coming in on the phone rather than people having to come in. So it's like, there's a lot of things that we were, we were like, okay, we're able to do this because it's contemporary and not fancy. Well, we should absolutely do everything those games couldn't do, you know? So um, part of it, yeah, was, was like requests and we were just like really stoked and we kind of came upon that design idea of like well, what if people came up with like really specific things and you know and those kind of like in a design where those like lattice work um like over the top of other things like the the newspaper which says like okay like blue cards are going to go up in price in three days but then a guy you know he wants a blue card with flying um and you're like oh well if i give it to him it, or do i hold on to it and see if it goes up more you know so um yeah, just being able to like read the market and stuff. And like another thing that we we really wanted to focus on was um not having it like having it have like a flow state rather than like a grindy progression. Um so like we said we did we wanted to make a game that was about running a small shop and like keeping it small. Um so we have like the reputation mechanic which is like it's essentially like another currency <laughs> for the player to kind of spend. Like you can spend reputation if you have a higher reputation. Um, but we want, we wanted to not have things where it's like, okay, you got to level up your guy and then you can sell cards for more, or you can, you know, buy this thing that lets you charge more for things and get more and more money. We wanted it to be like, all right, you're just going to get skillful at playing this game. You're going to work out like how to read the market, how to do things, and and you'll get, like get better and better and then like you'll get more opportunities that are more risky and then like you might do those you know take those opportunities and, and it'll pay off or it won't pay off and if it doesn't then you'll kind of like have to like work back up and stuff it's it, yeah it was more more like making uh like an action game or something in that we we wanted it to be about like the player's skill and their ability to like read like the subtle nuances in 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 the daily running of the shop rather than just like you know kind of like okay you've you've sold enough okay well you've bought you know some extra racks so you can sell more now and you can get more and more and more because like eventually you're going to just run out of stuff to reward the player with you know mm -hmm. and yeah and like that that all makes a lot of sense and in the same kind of way i think what you're doing what you're aiming to do i think it it's in a different way in comparison to those other games in that uh, the the way you're going about it it kind of solves the gameplay in a different way i'm, I'm stumbling for how to properly describe this but i mean like um <laughs> uh uh in that you're I think we, like we we wanted to come to the same thing of like running a shop but we just we designed it in a different way like we just like we, we kind of played those, but we already had a pretty solid like prototype and, and ideas in mind. And I think, yeah, our, our 
we had certain things that we were like, we're not doing this or we, or we just physically can't do this because of our like theme and setting. So we were like, all right, well, we're going to have to like do this differently. And we joke all the time that like, what we get to like, you know, we've been working on this game for like two years and we'd be like 18 months in and, and we realized it's like, oh, we should have a like, like sale tags. Like you can put 10% off on things. And we're just like, it just seems like the most obvious thing that you would be able to do is like adjust the price of things. And we're like, how did that not? And it's like, well, we've kind of just like got at like every step not tried to take from other games. Um, and, and, you know, that might sound like pretentious or something, but we, we genuinely, we just like, we just want to make, uh, we, cause like we came at this not wanting to make a shop game originally. It was just meant to be about trading cards and we were going to have it be like just a sort of eBay interface where you were like buying and selling on the internet and then we were like oh well you know what this would actually make more sense if you were just in a shop and there were like tons of crazy ideas before we kind of arrived on you run a shop that's why you're buying and selling cards you know like we had things where it was like you were a, like a mafia boss in like a Bugsy Malone style setup where it's like children on like the schoolyard and they were like buying and selling cards <laughs> and it was like oh yeah that'll be really fun and we like that would still probably be a fun game but we were just like, it, it's it's already like a weird concept to people. It's like a card trading game. Like, what? Well, you don't play the card game. And we're like, all right, well, we need to like wrap this in like a, a sort of like thematic conceit that people just get. It's like, it's a shop and you sell games. It's like, got it. People understand what shops are. People understand why people are sending you requests. People understand it. And everything just sort of like clicked when we did that. And then from there, we sort of like, we're like, all right, well, if we're doing that. So like, for a long time, we didn't realize, even after we were like, yeah, you're running a shop. We didn't really realize it's like, oh, we're making a shop game. You know, <laughs> like we were like, oh, and it was probably like a year into development when we were like, oh, we should go and play Moonlighter and Wrecketeer and stuff. And like <laughs> just all these other games. And I played a bunch of them. I was like, oh, wow, we like really designed a very different game to those. Like they're, they're very, yeah, they're just very different. So, mm -hmm. And you you said some words that actually that helped me figure out what I was trying to say before. And that was um, the approach, the way you're designing this game, it's the same, but different. And it's different in a, a fantastic way in that it's not different for the sake of being different, or it's not different in a way that feels unintuitive. It's different in a way that feels like it's answering the question that was asked that they didn't like, it's a different answer to the same question that those games are trying to answer. And I think that's a, a fantastic approach. Mm. And um, something you also mentioned that just from a player's point of view, I want to I want to throw that one this out there. Um, you you mentioned how there was no like haggling system, but when someone came up to you to ask to trade or ask if you wanted to buy the card or ask if you uh, how the card like the value of it was, and then you had the chance to buy it, that to me felt like a haggling system. But that's how I interpreted it. Um, you know, obviously I can't speak for other people, but even that felt like an interesting answer to the question of how to haggle but that you know that's how i took it as i said yeah i think a lot of the like those things that you kind of say like oh wait that is similar to how this other game did it and it's like but we arrived at it from just a very different like we i know people are never going to believe it's like oh we didn't steal like some of the things that it, that are very similar because we sort of just arrived at it from like people coming in being like hey do you want to buy this card or, you know, I think someone comes in and they're like, oh, I found this card. Is it worth anything? And you can say like, yes or no. And you you know how much it's worth. 
if you say no and then they're like oh do you want to buy it really cheap and then you buy it they're like okay you got a really cheap card but you'll lose reputation for that you know because that person finds out later it's like oh that was an expensive card so we're like we came to these sort of things from mostly from like a thematic thing but then like the reputation system and 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 like having that in there and and really saying there were things that we really wanted to have in the game so like cards had to be in there and like I really wanted reputation to to play into it and also then having things that we weren't going to make the game about so we're like all right this isn't a game about just constant economic growth this is a game about like balancing the books and it's like okay I've spent a lot this month I'm going to make a bit I'm going to be a bit more conservative next month or or whatever um and just just having it reflect sort of like a, more of a like a contemporary reality rather than just like this um this fantasy that people have of like I want to run a shop and then franchise it and grow it bigger and bigger and bigger you know we wanted it to like be more about like an actual management game like we we love about that like management I I think like management is like maintaining you know what I mean like it's a maintenance game right and then like so many management games are about like just constantly like sprawling and getting bigger and bigger and bigger um i think it's like a very like western uh it's just a thing that like we automatically um like go to is just like uh making money and i think a, a lot of like initially we were like we just wanted to make a game about collecting cards and stuff so i think initially it came from the money isn't like your primary goal in this game it's it's collecting the cards so then the money was sort of the secondary thing and it was only really like it was a resource to get cards you know what i mean so i think it came from that and then evolved into us wanting to make this narrative and the story and then just like a general mechanic in the game that that was more about or, or that wasn't about capitalism and we kind of like realized that at some point we're like i want to make this a game that sort of like pushes back against that and you know, we're not saying like oh we're making this huge statement game or whatever right but there is just a general conceit we're like we're not making a game where you upgrade and get a bigger shop you know in fact like that happens in the narrative right like a guy walks in it's like the, the whole story of the game is that the villain in, in quotes kind of comes in and he offers you three million dollars for the shop and he's like i want to buy the shop what do you say? And you don't get a choice as a player. Like, I'm not going to be like, yeah, yeah, you, you get to take the money and then you get a bigger shop or whatever, right? Like, that's a choice that you might get in, in another game. But in our game, it's like your character just says like, no, this this place belonged to my dad. He died. I inherited it. And I want to run a card shop. <laughs> like, I bought the card. I, I run a card shop because I want to run a card shop. Um, so just having that focus of like, we want this to be about cards and we don't want it to be about money meant that like all of our decisions could be made around that. So we're like, all right, well, that should be your reputation mechanic and we should have this and this, and you know, just just really approaching it from like things we definitely didn't want to do and things we were focusing on. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I definitely, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my experience and yeah, 100%, it's, it's a nice, unique uh, fresh, um, approach to it that, you know, was, was quite enjoyable, actually. I, I, I shouldn't say that as if I was shocked, but you know, um, <laughs> a lot of people do say it like that, but like, yeah, it was surprisingly fun. And you're like, okay, thanks. And like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the, I think the, the, the actually, I think what happens there is you're comparing it, um, intentionally or not to other, uh, shop management games that have a very different, uh, game flow have different flow state where yours is you know it's 
the same but different. So I think that's where the actually came from, is you go in expecting one thing and you get something else that is a different experience that's just as enjoyable, um, more relaxed because there's less pressure and all that. So, you know, you know, as I said earlier, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a great game and I'm looking forward to, to when it comes out and, and all of that. But just because it is such a, a unique approach to the same question that other games have also, you know, been trying to tackle. We, so, we've talked a lot. Oh, sorry. No, no, please continue. Uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about, you know, what we would do next. And we're like, we, we do feel like we've hit on something a, a little bit unique, a, li a little bit unique. I don't know if that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> you're either unique or you're not. But something we've, we've got like an original sort of approach to this shopkeeping thing. And we're like, well, see how this goes. If people like it, you know, maybe we should branch out and do shopkeeping of, of a like a, a different product basically you know and we've thought about doing like bookshops and stuff like that but um yeah it's it, it it is funny because you go oh like this is cool and we're like oh what could we branch it out into and it ends up actually bumping into a lot of problems because you you sort of have to be it sort of has to be card games in a, in a way <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it has to be something that is relatively cheap but you can like have the price of, of individual things fluctuate to just depending on some like meta game that's going on behind the scenes, which you can't really do with a bookshop. Cause it's like, well, books are just, they're all 20 bucks or they're an expensive coffee table book. You know what I mean? Like you get, or, or they get, or they just slowly accrue value, you know? So whereas like cards can, can go up and down depending on numerous different factors, um, regardless of whether they're new or old. So yeah, we, we've, we've thought about it a lot and we're like, how could we, what other things could we, that are maybe less niche than like card games? What else could work? And we're like, I don't know, maybe you could run like a guitar shop or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that definitely does sound like a, a challenge to, to, to find uh, the balance for, for what works and doesn't work for the future. Now, I don't want to change the subject too much, but when it came because you had mentioned you guys have been working on this game for uh two years now how is it or what is it that got you into to developing and making games like how did you get um to that point where you started doing that um i don't really know i i didn't really play video games until like university <laughs> like i i uh i think like i sort of like i was kind of aware of games and, and i played a bit like i had a game boy and stuff as a kid but i uh i had i had like an operation on my back after high school and i had to miss like first semester of university um not like i wasn't sick the whole time i just like didn't like i missed like the first two months or something so i was like hey you gotta just start next semester and um yeah, I bought an Xbox 360 and I got Mass Effect and like Gears 2, I think, Gears of War 2. And I was just like, oh, wow, video games are really great. And it's like when you're just sort of like sitting in bed and you can't really do much, you just sort of like obsess over one thing. And Mass Effect's like a big enough game that you can kind of do that with it. And um, yeah, I think I just like at that point, I was I was like, wow, I should do something with games or something. This seems like a really cool, like this is much bigger than I thought it was. And just, yeah, it was like, I don't know. I just kind of went through uni um, doing, I studied like journalism and uh, I graduated. I got a job at like a media company and then I like got fired and I was just like, 
I should just make a video game. Um, and yeah, I just was like, I don't know, I'll just do it. So I, I just started doing it. I, I kind of like made it. I did like a class or something in high school that was like game design and programming or something. Um, so I had like a vague knowledge of like game maker and stuff, but uh, I don't know. It was just literally just like I, I, I got fired for or laid off from a job. I had like five, $6,000 and I was like, I'm just going to take six months off and make a video game. So um, I just kind of kept doing it since then. So, mm-hmm. so the, your your involvement or getting into it seems a little different from from I think most people that are involved in the industry. Um, so for for that, just because you know the unique approach of you not actually getting into games until you're older and all that, what what advice would you have for someone looking to get into the industry? Because I imagine what you did might be close uh, to to what some people that are looking at just getting started themselves mm. um i don't i don't know that i'm a great person to ask Dep- i mean it depends on who's who's asking right if you're in uh you know north america the u.s or canada um my advice might be kind of really bad for you because i mean like <laughs> oh you know don't go to university and I think over there, it seems like people just go and work, you know, go to university, study programming, art or design or something, get a job at a big studio, work for there for like two years and then quit and make an indie game. (laughs) That seems to be like the story I hear from a lot of people. Um, And yeah, in where where I was from, because I grew up just in the middle of nowhere in Australia, right? So uh it wasn't really like an option to do that. Um, there was, I mean, there was like game design at university, but it just seemed like, I don't know, a weird thing to study. And I'm kind of glad I didn't do that in the end because I don't know that those degrees from, from that time, we're talking like 2010. Um, I don't know that they are really that great. I don't know. I hope I'm not like offending anybody by saying that. I, I know there's like, I, I know some people who, who lecture and, and stuff there. Um, and I'm sure they're great, but I, I just don't know that how much those degrees like hold in terms of getting you a job, especially like in Australia. I think internationally, they might not even anyway. It's like, oh, you have an Australian game designer, whatever. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, I forgot his name, but like, I, so I went back to university. Like I, I, I say it like, oh, yeah, you know, lost my job and then just been making games. Like it, it was kind of a long, long story to that 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 like i went back to university and i studied architecture um and and like industrial design so there's that <laughs> so I, I like i think more than anything that is what sort of inspired me to make good games because i think prior to that i was just sort of making like i don't know i would just want to make these things you know so i i think i went to university to study architecture with the idea of like i just wanted to get good at design and thinking about design um but like there's so much you can just teach yourself i I think like i guess you know what like people just need to put point you in the right direction to teach how to teach yourself so like yeah there's tons of game design things on the internet like game makers toolkit and stuff and they can teach you like very broad like kind of philosophical ideas about how to make games like oh you should approach it like this or whatever 
but like there are really great books like the design of everyday things uh, 101 things i learned in architecture school 101 things i learned in urban design school i think it's called like just these kind of books that just read those and apply them to how to make video games um i yeah i, I kind of yeah it, it's tough I, I i think there's there's something to be said for like immersing yourself in video games as like a, a way to learn how to make them but i think a lot of people do that or a lot of people who play a lot of games think oh, i would be able to make it i know how to do it you know and they're the kind of people who yell at developers for <laughs> nerfing certain things on twitter and stuff you know like why did you make this gun more powerful blah, blah, blah. and it's like if you understand like the game design intent behind things then maybe yeah you would get it more or whatever um i don't know i'm just going around in circles and i don't really know what i'm saying no and that's um, that's fine because i part of that you know part of that was on me i i should have phrased that question a little better so i apologize for that but you 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 pretty you actually kind of answered it in a uh, you answered the question that I should have asked, which was for someone that didn't start out in that, you know, what would be the best device that you found helpful that would have been helpful to you? Um, that's how I should have phrased, it. and you you answered it completely with uh, find something that can push you forward as well as you know learn good design principles before you try and you know dive head in, just because um, those design principles can help you steer what you're trying to do in a way that's not going to be a flop or just be um, uh, something that doesn't feel nice to you. Does, does that sound, does it sound like I was understanding you correctly? Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of just like very quick things that I can say that would be you, you know, more universally useful. And I think um, start small, and like finishing things will teach you more than than starting a million things. Um, uh, everyone who like uh, like who who was it? It was like Ida. I think Ida Ida Glass. Is that his name? I can't remember what his name is. But he, there's like this amazing uh, little speech he does where he's like, everyone who does any creative work uh, will and, and and wants to start like we all hated what we did. Uh, initially and we all think it's really crap and really bad right like no one starts really good some people start with some innate talent because they were good at one thing so you know like maybe someone was good at drawing so their game looks a bit better but i know lots of games that look really pretty that suck to play so whatever but like everyone who does creative work it's like you you wanted to do it because you had good taste you know and you you were like i want to do i want to make something because i'm unsatisfied with the things that i'm you're taking in from other places, right? Or I want to put my own mark. I have some ideas, right? And you want to do that. You, you think that because you have good taste. And like for the first couple of years that you're doing whatever it is, like you're going to feel unsatisfied because your taste is really great. It's still really good. It's always been really good, but your output isn't matching it. So you're going to be looking at it and judging it really badly. And it's like, you, you kind of go like, why can't I make something as good as my taste? It's like, well, taste and ability aren't the same thing, you know? So you just got to like keep at it, keep finishing things. And eventually those two things will start to meet up, you know? And like, and there's also the Dunning-Kruger effect of like the better you think you are at something, the worse you probably are. So like, I was definitely like 2016, thought I was so good at game design. I had all the answers. And I think like I 
probably was making some real crap back then, you know? And it's like, then you kind of get to a, a good equilibrium where you, you, your taste and your ability sort of like match up pretty well. I think also like target things that are within your ability. Like it's great to like set, you know, like the, the saying, oh, shoot for the moon, land among the stars is great. But the, the problem in video games is that the moon is like good and the stars are like two out of 10. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're shooting for something really amazing and you miss in video games, like more often than not, like it's really nice to go, oh, look, it had these great ideas and we really like it. But more often than not, a game that misses just misses and isn't good, you know? Um and 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 that's usually because of like technical things so it's like maybe you had like a really great idea for a story or a gameplay mechanic but it's like oh you really didn't know how to program you know platformer controls very well and the thing just felt bad to play so people just won't play it you know what i mean and so there's that so it's like shoot for like things that you think you can achieve and try like one new thing on every project don't be like i'm gonna do a platformer and an mmo it's like all right try platformer first <laughs> also don't do it never make an mmo because <laughs> that will kill you uh what else i don't know like i think yeah try and take in um inspiration outside of gaming and i don't mean just like watch a movie and say i want to make a game that's like a movie i mean try and take in inspiration from from you know er everything like um i like i'm i'm a, like a total philistine but my my girlfriend goes to like the theater and the ballet and stuff all the time and, and i have to go with her <laughs> but every time i go i'm always like sitting there and like my brain is just like oh, this is cool. Like, what if you did something like this? And then I'm like, oh, actually games are kind of like theater in a way. Oh, wait. And then start like thinking about those things. And like, it'll help you become like a deep thinker where like deep thinking is like thinking about why you're thinking of things, you know, not instead of just like playing a game and being like, I like this and I like that mechanic. Be like, well, why? And it's like, oh, because it matches the, the thematic elements of the game really well or because it's abstracted this thing that is, was really complicated, but it's made it in a way that I can understand, you know? Um, and yeah, like that, that kind of stuff will, will, will always help in, in video games. Um, yeah. I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, finish things. Um, study design, study, study like design as well. I think like, even if you're like, I want to make games and I want to be an artist or I want to be a programmer and whatever, it's like, everyone needs like some basic understanding of design, even if it's just like design sort of language and, and like the, the, the process that a designer goes through, because like, I've met so many people who've done like game programming degrees or whatever. And they're just like, Oh yeah. Designers. Like, what do you even do? You just come up with ideas. Like anyone can do that. And it's like, all right, you're the last person anyone would want to work with because you're, you don't appreciate that the designer is the most important person on the team. You know, like programmers can, can make, sometimes make good games, but the best programmers are the ones that understand like, okay, I'm programming this thing and I understand what the designer is trying to achieve with this thing, you know? So yeah, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. I know I, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're going. Everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I think it is really good advice, actually. Um, Thank you. <laughs> even, if, even if you feel like you were, you know, kind of getting cyclical and all that. Uh, no, all that was very, very good advice. And I think um, might be advice that might not traditionally be told um, just because you came at the whole gaming thing from, from a different 
different angles. So it's always great to have a different viewpoint, a different opinion on that as a whole. So, you know, like I said, great, that comes off as very great advice to me. Now, thanks. <laughs> no, no worries. I, I think also like what inspires you to make games, like it, it this is difficult to tell someone, but it's like, like I, I never had the experience of like wanting to make games from when I was like five, you know, people being like, the first time I played Zelda, I knew I wanted to make, you know, do this. I just never had that really um, until, yeah, I went to university and I started like playing games. And then that was like around the time that like indie games kind of started coming out. And um, yeah, I remembered like the game that I was like, oh, wow, like you can do something that is like, this sounds stupid, but that is that is like art. Um, was when I played like the Scott Pilgrim game. It was the first like pixel art game that I'd seen like post, you know, the nineties or whatever. And I remember just playing that and being like reading reviews and reviewers being like, oh, this game has made like aesthetic choices that are like like intentionally bad in a way to like evoke nostalgia. And I remember just like that kind of being like, wow, you can actually do that in video games, you know, in the way that someone might make a black and white film as a statement, you know? Um, because at that point I felt like, you know, and I don't know that indie games had existed before like 2012 or whatever, but it just felt like, oh, wow. Like you can, you can make something pixel art and, and go like, Hey, that's, you know, maybe it's not like this perfect, like line drawing, but it's like that because it makes you feel this other way. And I remember like reviewers being like, why do you walk so slowly in this game? And then other reviewers being like, it's great that you walk so slowly because in the old games you walked that way. And it's like it's making a joke and I'm like, wow, the player's like playing a, a nostalgic joke. That's kind of cool, you know? And I, I, I've played that game so many times and just like, I think that was the one that I was like, wow, I want to try and like do things and like subvert expectations and, and try and try and design things that aren't just like, I just want to make it just fun all the time. You know, it's just like, it's a 10 out of 10, always popping with joy kind of experience. It's like, just like, you know, and I'm talking like, this is the worst example of a game that does that. Like Scott Pilgrim is, is, is mostly just a fun, crunchy game to play, but there's just like a couple of things in there where they were like, no, this is like an aesthetic directorial choice that we're going to like, you walk slowly, you know, and, and it's pixel art and it's, it's got a limited story and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, wow, that's, that's so cool. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. No. And yeah, definitely. I get, I, yeah, 100%. I understand where you're coming from. Um, about you know about that and how the the uh the design aspect like the aesthetic what you're going for now would you say that maybe scott program like is it is it maybe your favorite game or one of your favorite games uh yeah i mean i've played it to death it just came out on the switch um remaster or what? yeah and it came out i was like waiting at midnight and playing it and i'm like i've got to go to bed just play it in the morning and i'm like oh god <laughs> and um yeah, I, I think it's like it, it, my favorite in in that it's you know really meaningful. It was sort of this like just eye opening experience. It's like wow, you can make a tiny little game that, that does something like that. And I'm sure like people are like whatever it came out after Limbo. Limbo did that, and I'm like, well, I didn't play Limbo, so you know whatever. You know, or Braid did that or something, and, and it's like yeah, cool. I didn't play those games, so Scott Pilgrim was mine. And I know it's not an indie game either, so like whatever. But um. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 up there. It's up there. I think there's there's a lot of I like about it. Um 
I still think it, yeah, it holds up really well. <laughs> it's because I think, yeah, cause it holds up really well because it was doing something. It was going for something and it was very confident in, in that style. It's like, you know, you walk slowly and it's fine. And it's like beat em ups since then, like there are, there are beat em up kind of games that came out at the same time. I think if you went back to them now compared to beat em ups that are coming out, you know, this or last year, like Streets of Rage came out, right? Um, and if you compare like Streets of Rage to, I don't know, like what else came out around that time? Like Castle Crashes, maybe? You know, I, I think Scott Pilgrim holds up better than the other games that came out at the time because it was like very distinctly like trying to do a thing that it's like, okay, it, it, it wasn't just trying to be the funnest game of all time. It was trying to like do certain like aesthetic things um whereas like other games maybe coming out but like i just want to be like the funnest thing right now and and it's the best design one and of course like 10 years later our our taste as a society and as as you know people who can play games right we you know we we, we just value different things now so we're like oh that's that's no good whereas i think scott pilgrim still sort of holds up because it was like just trying to be this distinct you know timeless thing rather than timely like you know like I have no doubt we'll look back on every game of like the PS4 era and like in, in 10, 15 years and go, wow, they're all open world games with just like a million things scattered all over them. It's so boring, you know, oh, this game doesn't, and that's where people start saying it's like, oh, it doesn't hold up. Oh, it hasn't aged well, you know, whereas like those distinct games that were just doing something, you know, their own thing, those people go, well, we don't really have other stuff to compare it to. So that holds up. You know what I mean? Um, you're like Shadow of the Colossus, right? Like people always say, like you can go back and still play Shadow of the Colossus. Like the original is still this amazing game, and I, I've gone back and play. I'm like, yeah, like it is great because it's like there's not a whole bunch like it, you know. Um, whereas I think if you go back and you play Killzone One on the the PS2, you'd be like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't good because it was just trying to be the like the shooter archetype, you know. And now like shooters are just completely different whereas like shadow of the colossus is its own genre you know it just made its own thing and i think that's what i was trying to say i don't know where what the question was so <laughs> it's got completely sidetracked no that's fine and, and for the record uh the question was was scott pilgrim your favorite game oh right i'm talking about shadow uh, of the colossus and no that's, now. that's perfectly yeah. fine it's and that's fine because you know um, talking about games that make you happy, the, the things about those games that make you happy, that's, you know, the, the intent, what I'm going for. Um, and, you know, if we get from point A to point B in a roundabout way, that's perfectly fine. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to chastise you for that. Um, yeah. it, was, it, was a nice, it was a nice trip to go from, from there <laughs> to Shadow of Colossus. Um, so, you, you said a lot. So, you know, what, what is it that makes gaming enjoyable to you because you kind of touched on a few of the things that i think would make it enjoyable for you but like succinctly what what is it about games that you enjoy that you know that do it for you um i i, I think a game that makes me enjoy it in a way that i wasn't expecting you know like it, it would be What's enjoyable about gaming is the same thing that I enjoy about a book is when it's like, oh, wow, I wasn't, I didn't think a book I could enjoy in that way, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like when you, you, know, you say you go to the ballet of your girlfriend and it's, you didn't think you were going to enjoy it, but you get in there and, you know, you're 
I've never been to a ballet, so I can't really make an analogy <laughs> here. But you get in there and, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, they're they're doing the high kicks. That's awesome. Or whatever <laughs> it is they do. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, but even that, it's like, oh, well, that was a very new experience. Maybe I don't see much ballet. But I think a game that whenever I play a game and I go, wow, I've just this has just made me rethink what a game could be. That's what I like about games is that they are such a broad medium that you can still be surprised. And then, yeah, from that, and I think that, you know, I I complain a lot about games being very similar or, or very derivative, but, you know, I guess you need those to juxtapose, you know, to, 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 to have those special moments where, where something comes out and you go, wow, it wasn't, expecting i didn't think a game could do that or, or whatever um so you need the you know 10 ubisoft open world kind of games to then get the i don't know the last guardian and go wow like i didn't expect i didn't think of a game doing that you know mm-hmm. and no that makes perfect sense because you know it's uh kind of takes you out of your your comfort zone um i don't know if comfort zone is the right word but you I think you understand what I'm trying to say. You know, you you get set in expecting a certain game, playing a certain game that you know, um, you know, you kind of said said it like Ubisoft. Uh, Ubisoft games have a look and feel. They have a model, and I'm not saying they're bad, um, but you know, you you buy a Ubisoft game, you know what you're gonna get, and if all you've been playing is Ubisoft games, and then you sit down and play a different game, it it can impact you and make you realize you're playing a very different game and make you realize you know the the elements of it are something you've been looking for something that you desperately wanted just because of how um how it's presented or how it how the game feels so that's you know that's a great way to look at it you know to to be excited for um as different games come out you know yeah or even just going back i i mean i probably play more old games than than new releases and i just like i mean yeah because i kind of missed out on games as a kid so i'm like going back and i'm like oh yeah i played final fantasy 12 and they're like yeah i would talk to people and they'll be like yeah i'm playing that as a teenager that must have been great i'm like no i've played it like last year yeah um so yeah i i think i'm still like surprised by by older games um a lot and you go back and you go wow like they were doing this like way back then that's incredible you know like mm-hmm. and that's know, and yeah that's an exciting way to like way to get to experience games because you know right now uh you'll look at games like shovel knight which is a a throwback to or even a love letter really to those old platform games and you know people like me who grew up playing those games you know, I, i'll play shovel knight and be thoroughly impressed by it it'll take me back to that point in time but you know it i think for me that it it hits the hardest just because i grew up playing those games whereas um you and people like you get to experience those games for the first time and maybe even at a age where you can appreciate what it's doing even more uh if that makes sense in a non-pretentious way (laughs) Yeah, I you know I I'm not a huge platformer person, but like I've I've played Shovel Knight and I enjoyed it. And yeah, there's it's nice going and seeing. You know, I, I think a lot of people get very like angry at, at pixel art or, or just sort of 
retro throwback stuff and it's it's a funny thing because it's you know you you have to have an appreciate like there has to be like as a society as a culture we we need to go back and appreciate things it's just how uh things work it's like every 20 years there's some sort of uh sort of like look back at what we did and and sort of like a cataloging of that thing with uh like a uh with like the the benefit of that like time that's lapsed you know what i mean like we can all like i think now like people sort of looking back and being like wow like like i mean when i was like in high school and stuff and i was sort of like the 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 after grunge but it was still sort of like what we were all into and stuff we all like that kind of like the smashing pumpkins and nirvana and stuff and it's like sort of looking back on it now and it's like just a very different way of, of looking at it and seeing it being like repeated now in music and and just how they go oh, okay like there's actually like when we like being able to catalog like the elements of something and say okay it worked because of this and it was influenced by this and and like in games, I think, and you know, you either say, okay, well, we're going to get a whole bunch of like retro revival games, like uh, Shovel Knight or even Scott Pilgrim, right? Um, and people go, oh, God, just come up with new ideas, stop being caught in the past. It's like, well, you either have to have that, or you're just going to get a whole bunch of think pieces and books written about them. And personally, I would rather explore that and think about like, oh, what, what about that worked, and what about that, you know, old things were, you know, they worked at the time because of other things in society, you know um you know or, or what what was it that was you know technical that that held those or made those games the way they are and i think it's 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 a really interesting things that thing that games can reflect and and sort of comment on their history through the medium itself you know um we you don't really get that in in other mediums as much you kind of like you know in like like film and and painting and and things they sort of just like they're a constant evolution and you don't really get those i guess it's because like games have like distinct generations and, and things that we talk about that um we can kind of like go back and say okay well let's kind of like look at this generation like catalog it and like break it apart and go what why did we like this why did this work why was this so prevalent why was why were platformers just everywhere on the nes and stuff and yeah i think that's i think that's really interesting um i think it's you know maybe done to death a little bit it's like all right yeah like we've had shovel night we don't need like 10 more shovel nights <laughs> but like um yeah like it, it it's a it's an interesting way of doing it and it's an interesting way of sort of like mixing things up um like modern elements with with older elements and, and kind of then juxtaposing it to the the original and, and stuff like that um that said remakes i do not like <laughs> i think those are a hundred percent just like navel gazy crap you know that's 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 not appreciating that's trying to grind off elements that you don't like and and say no no we've taken just like some aesthetic thing you know like the shadow of the colossus remake i've had big arguments with people over like all it, it's like oh we just kind of like shaved off a few of the edges that people won't appreciate i'm like no no you need to like bring it into the modern day as as just like a you can play the original or like make a you know a game that is inspired by it like titan souls i think it's called uh is it titan souls yeah titan souls um and then there's another one death something but i've forgotten what it's called and just like these these games oh and was it, uh, pray for the gods those kind of things and it's like yeah and it's like 
seeing the elements that they took from the the, the original Shadow of the Colossus and like seeing how they're like reusing them or, or doing it. It's like, oh, okay, so maybe the elements they left behind, maybe those are left behind because they were sort of, you know, part of they, they only worked in like that context or that time period or they only worked in japan or they only worked in america or, or what and it's like okay you know maybe it's like a, a dutch team making this game now and it's like all right well they're gonna do it differently because this other part that they aren't borrowing didn't make sense you know i think that's just like way more interesting than just having you know people make I don't know, a documentary or something about some famous game you know like I, I, I never really like those kind of documentaries about a film, you know, where it's like just, you know, I, I would rather watch like a film that was trying to, to kind of recreate that. And then, yeah. Well, that, that said though, I don't like the new star Wars films. So <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't like this. I think, but I think like, like what I'm saying about like video games being generational though, oh, it's like, you're able to say like, we're taking, looking back at this whole generation rather than like the star Wars films, like, Let's look back at the original Star Wars film and recreate that with the Force Awakens. That's the first one, I no. believe. Is that the first? That's believe the first so. one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like that felt a little bit more. It was like too specifically. It was taken just from Star Wars. Whereas like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just rambling. Now. <laughs> no, I I get what you're saying, and it's basically um if if I may, it sounds like you're saying you know to to take a broad look at things, see what worked real well and see if you can distill that out to make a, a unique um, twist on that without just recreating the same old thing. Like you said, used uh, Titan Souls, I think it's Titan Souls, um, for example, which is kind of um, like Shadow Colossus in the sense that it is a, a boss rush where, if I'm not mistaken, every boss is is one hit. Like they have one weak spot that you make that one weak spot present and you shoot an arrow at and that's that's the end of the fight and move on to the next one. Um, so like, I get what you're saying. You know, you're, you're taking those elements and you're distilling them in a unique way without just recreating something with a, a different varnish on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think like Mario games, I don't, I'm not a Mario fan, but I... I understand like the way they do those. I think it's interesting the way that the things that stay the same in between Mario games and the things that change are an interesting sort of comment on like the era that those things came out, you know, um, just the way that like Mario Odyssey was this very short game. It's like an eight hour game or something. Right. And then, well, very short eight hours, but shorter than the other ones. And but then there's all this like post-game stuff and it's all like smaller challenges. And it's kind of interesting having that juxtaposed with, you know, like the, the much larger long form things of like Mario Galaxy and, and Mario Sunshine, right? Where you go like, these were games of a time where people like sat down to play a game for like five hours or something, you know? And, and it's like, maybe just people don't do that anymore, you know? And you can say like, you can make a comment and say like, that's good or bad or, whatever but ultimately it's just interesting to see that sort style of game like interpreted in in a modern context um and you know like sometimes it goes too far and it's bad like i think the the syndicate it was like a an rts or or like a turn-based like strategy game in the 90s and they're like what if we made it into a shooter like everything else in the you know 2010s or whatever and 
yeah, like that's bad because I think that's just like corporate suits coming in and saying, oh, you've got to make it this thing because this is popular and that that's bad. But when people kind of go back and look at something and go, this thing was popular or this thing worked because of this. And yeah, I'm, I'm just repeating myself, but <laughs> I think people get what I'm saying. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's fine. Um, you know, it's as I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase that, um, you know, positive, as I said before, positive conversations are always good because, um, my whole goal is to just have positive conversations, get people thinking about things a little differently because, you know, you can easily get stuck in a negative loop. Um, and for me, that's something that I got stuck in and I'll look at games and, you know, it's always something, the same thing, or it's always just, I can easily find something to hate about games and having different approaches or different, um, views, especially, uh, from, from someone like you that kind of got into the scene much later, it, it can add new ways to appreciate things and new ways to even look at things that, you know, can, can stave off that negative loop of getting stuck and going, I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. I hate that. Um, cause you know, that's, that just breeds toxicity. And, you know, at the end of the day, at that point, you're, you're, you're doing something that you, you don't enjoy. Um, and you know, with, totally just ignoring the price of games. Um, but like the time commitment that's often required for a game, you get to the point where like you, you have to ask yourself, I'm like, am I just doing this out of spite or am I doing this because <laughs> part of me enjoys this game? And that's, you know, d trying to dispel or, you know, push back the, the, the negativity can, for me at least has helped me see, you know, when I'm doing something out of spite, um, or at least much sooner when I know I'm not going to enjoy something and, you know, don't try and commit to it. Um, and what I'm doing because there's elements I'm enjoying. And then it lets me focus on those elements that are to be enjoyed. And, you know, uh, like I said, talking to, to more people and talking about the positive things and, you know, everyone's, you know, different input and different viewpoints. That's a fantastic thing. So, you know, even if it is a kind of somewhat cynical, uh, the conversation or whatever, getting positivity at the end of the day is the important thing in my, in my mind. So, you know, it's, it's always a valid conversation, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think we're going real armchair, like, expert at this point. We're like, no, it's about this. Yeah. I'm just thinking about what I've been saying and like, oh, I probably sound like a real dick, but yeah. I, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't worry too much about it. You've, you've brought some uh, interesting uh, viewpoints to it that are, you know, you, that are, are different and different in a good way. It's there, you know, cause like I said, um, if you talk to someone that's played games all their lives, they're typically going to maybe have the same kind of viewpoints. You know, it's, they're going to kind of align just because um, if you've been playing like Mario for the last 30 years or 20 years or what have you, you you're gonna approach Mario the same way for the most. Um, you know, you'll see that new one, that one new element, and you'll get really excited about it. But you know, you're gonna always approach it the same way, or at least that's how I feel when I'm approaching a game. So, uh, getting to you know, just getting to discuss, and regardless, who who cares if it's armchairish? Like at the end of the day, at the I'm end of the day, an armchair. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I said, at the end of the day, you know, a positive conversation is is a valid and valuable conversation to have because um, as long as you're not pushing more negativity because the game... I mean, gaming... I guess that's what I, I was... The point I was trying to make with... with I like that video games can, can make new games as a way of exploring the history and things is that that's more interesting because people will play Shovel Knight, have opinions on shovel knight and then can have like interesting conversations about that in comparison to the past and things whereas if you're just sort of like writing a book it's like okay that's it, it's like very solid now and it's like okay mario was this you know or, or mega man or, or ducktales or whatever it's like this is the game they are this you know that is fact move on you know and, and it's like you don't really have like as an in- interesting conversation because you can't like juxtapose it with where we are now you know yeah and like you said that uh you said there's very similar and i'm how i'm interpreting at least um to how you said you'd rather just watch a new good movie instead of watching a documentary on it because uh like you said that the documentary is kind of just going to be like that book it's just going to say this is what it was this is how it was this is how it is and you know that's it right you know it's it's kind of set in stone at that point and you have to move on from there yeah. Now, Oscar, yeah. I don't want to, like you had mentioned before that you uh, you had to prepare for other meetings, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, so I have just one more quick question for you um, before, you know, I, I I ask if, before I let you, you know, kind of talk about anything else you feel that needs to get uh, thrown out there. But um, with your game, because, you know, especially as a smaller indie studio um, and a startup at that, how do you feel about the current landscape for like games fandom and interaction in general in terms of uh, like Twitter or um, YouTube or what have you? Like, how does how do you feel about having that that open and, you know, has it been a good thing for you guys? Um, we're going to watch what I say here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't really have much to compare it to because i've never had this sort of level of like following for anything else i've done (laughs) so um it's a it's a tough one to compare but you know i i I, there's a part of it that i mean there's yeah it's ups and downs like there's a there's a part where it's like well it's really great to get like very specific detailed feedback or or to understand like um well yeah just be be able to get feedback you know from people who aren't you know play testers or, or working for your publisher or something um but at the same time it can sometimes uh how do I, how do i say this without saying like a dick it's nice to have like a boundary between you and other people sometimes um that the internet sort of is very good at breaking down and and removing because yeah, it can it can be unhealthy to to really stress about these things. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking about like Twitter and like analytics and looking at like numbers and and stuff. But no, because yeah. what you're saying makes makes perfect <laughs> sense. Um, like I get what you're saying, and I think a lot of people um, can probably relate to that. I know I do because you know I I try and follow see you know how analytics are doing and all that and it it can create like a an unhealthy loop where you know that's that's where your focus is 
um, and being able to step back from that and not let that be your focus is a ends up being a healthier thing, right? Because it's it's and it's uh, removing an amount of stress that you probably shouldn't have, right? I think on like a like on a very specific like like micro level, it's really great that we can go. Oh well, look, we've got this one tiny element of the game we really need to get like some feedback on put it out there we'll get some you know people on on our discord to like play it or something and we can get like a sense of like is this this good or bad you know but the the problem is then when you start looking at like your overall project or your overall direction or, or like philosophy and sort of like putting that out there and then you're not getting the feedback that you thought you would or, or you're getting bad feedback and you start doubting yourself based on that stuff it's really bad i think it's good to like maybe doubt like micro elements of your work um but maybe not the entirety of it because you know i mean like this is a game that like we were working on this for a good like probably a year before we like showed it to anyone publicly and you know that's pretty unheard of i think in in indie games you know a lot of the time people want to like you know especially if it's like an unproven kind of idea you know it's a pretty bizarre idea it's not like we were just making a you know very like standard kind of game that that we're like oh well look people will be into this you know um so i i think that was like a a benefit of that uh, was that we didn't have you know this this back of our mind like oh man maybe this is a terrible idea because you know we only got you know 30 likes on twitter or something um which I think that can really like screw people up. And I think people end up start up starting to like make for the algorithm and things. But I guess that's more like a problem with algorithms that I have. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes like even on the Discord, like we have like a little channel of like, you know, things that you would like to see in, in Cardboard Kings. And I'm sort of the idea that we should delete it. Because <laughs> I'm like, and not that I don't want to, I don't want people to have their ideas or I don't want them to tell me, but I don't want them to show up in this very like, like here's my list of things I want in the game, um, sort of set up. Does that sound bad? I don't know. It, it like it just sometimes you, you you get a sense of like, oh well, here we go. He wrote like a checklist of things that he would like in the game. Or well, we should those should be in the game. You know what I mean? You start mm-hmm. to think like that, and and it can really screw you up. And even if you you, you say like, oh well, I just I won't. We won't. And we'll, you know, I'm not going to take that all on board. It's still going to be in your mind that there are people that you know like personally like you interact with people on on your discord or on twitter or or youtube or whatever and you're like oh those people that individual is going to be disappointed and that person is like a real big fan of the game and they've been championing it so maybe i should do these things to like make them happy and then you're like that's kind of bad for for creative um endeavors i think when you start designing for people because they've requested things, you know? Um, and yeah, again, when it's like a tiny thing and you've like put it out there, like I, like it's almost like if it's multiple choice, you put it out there and you're like this or this, you know? But uh, when people, yeah, start doing that. And then, and then on top of that, you just get like gross toxicity of some people and, and you know, just, just telling you your game sucks or whatever. And you're just like, whatever, like, like that's annoying and you wouldn't have gotten that, but you know, it, like you know 20 years ago you wouldn't have gotten that but 
yeah it, it it's tough it's tough because it, it ends up it does influence the way games are developed a little bit and i think maybe largely for the negative because <laughs> i think you could probably find another way to get opinions on those micro things that you want tested or whatever um and then the the larger like pressure of people seeing what you're doing while you're making it is probably not good for a lot of people and even the people that think they're okay with it you might subconsciously be like you know influenced by it yeah so that's kind of negative <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh that's that's perfectly fine because you know that questions can be negative right they can they can go either way um yeah. but yeah no and that's perfectly valid um to, to to feel that way or to have you know to have that approach to it um you know just i think the first person i spoke to uh he had basically said you know we're people too and that's the important thing to keep in mind and you know um as well you know in terms of you know someone saying your game's bad or what have you you know just you can ignore them right you know you're not making the game for them um and you know instead of you know like you said as well having a, a micro item or object or whatever of the game um you know kind of steering that towards some of the voices that seem to be the loudest or the biggest um can can not you know can sometimes be a good thing but at the end of the day if you're looking at that checklist and getting brought down and judging yourself because someone else is wanting you to make their game and not your game you know that's it's i can definitely understand and, and I, I mean that i because people will probably listen to this <laughs> who have asked for things in the game i mean that in the nicest way like your game is probably great as well <laughs> you know like your ideas might be really great it's just it's more like the pressure of knowing yeah that there are people who have expectations and that and, and they're increasingly people with faces and names and voices and you're like oh man like i don't want to disappoint people you know and you can get a sense of that and it kind of can weigh you down a little bit um it's like a, a something that i do appreciate it or, or appreciated for, for like that year of like working on cardboard kings was just like no one has any expectations of this um and yeah that was that was nice um but yeah so, sometimes it's just like having people who are looking forward to something um and then the, those people can talk to you like that's sometimes um like just a lot of weight, right? unhealthy yeah yeah and like you know that's just a lot of weight on your shoulders um so yeah definitely and that's a, a valid thing and i think you know kind of at the end of the day um like you said you don't mean that in a negative way it's just you're doing your best to meet the expectations of what people want but at the same time be true to what your expectations are or what you want right um yeah. and, and also like knowing there'll be like a judgment at the end of like if if my design chops and my you know skill as a programmer designer artist whatever if if that if, if i wasn't better than what your idea was then you'll hold it against me and you'll be like oh you you know it's like you'll feel bad about like the thing that you've decided was the right choice in the game you'll be like oh i should have should have done what they wanted you know like if if cardboard king comes out and it's like oh i should have done this more complex thing that some people are asking for and you know every review says that i'll be like man they, you know, I feel dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully that's not the case. Yeah. Um, 
So, Oscar, before I let you go, was there anything else you wanted to say? Anything, you know, any games you want people to be aware of or just anything you want people to be aware of um, to know before, you know, before I let you get ready for that next meeting you had planned? <laughs> um, well, yeah, Cardboard Kings is, is on Steam and you can wishlist it if you want to do that. I also have another game that is just a personal project. It's called Nanomon. Uh, that Steam page is going up, uh, I think, in the next day or two. Uh, it's getting like approved at the moment so go check that one out that's like a virtual pet game so if you're into that kind of thing uh and yeah f- follow me on twitter um or follow henry's house if you if you want just game updates but uh i like to think i'm interesting so <laughs> people can follow me on twitter i'm at mumumang m-o-o-m-o-o-m-a-n-g or at henry's house au is the 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 way to do it yeah awesome well yeah so i'll get that information from you later as well so that way it'll be in the description um so you know people can easily click through and find that uh you know so that way they're not having to listen and type at the same time or what have you but yeah if that's if there's nothing else you want people to be aware of um we'll let you go let you get ready for the rest of the day just because i know for you it's you know it's pushing the afternoon uh uh just yeah it's just gone one so yeah oh wow okay um bit of difference (laughs) so yeah thanks again for joining me on the red tunic podcast and a special thanks to oscar Britton for making some time to have this conversation with me as as well as a special thanks to ronald jenkins for the use of music from the title track from road steep 